Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. You want to talk about planning our next heist? Plan, plan, plan. Is that all you do? Plan? Pretty much. And welcome to yet another episode of Pandas Talking Games. I'm one of your hosts, Phil. And I am your other host, Senda. Today's topic comes from Kalum from the Realistes podcast, who said, As I write this, my wife is messaging me that she's stuck in a classic, never-ending discussion about planning a burglary, etc. I recently, myself, have been in that situation. As both a GM or a player, how can such a situation be diffused? Yes! Let's spring into action! Because heists! Because heists, and I love heists. We all know that Phil loves heists. <laughs> Plus, I love planning. Yeah, that's true, too. That's true, too. Yeah. So let's talk a bit about planning. So for tonight, we're talking about times where characters, sometimes players, depending on the level of the game you're at, take time during the game to formulate a plan for some complex objective. Okay? That's what we're talking about, about planning. Now... Planning is a discussion, and the outcome of that discussion is some order of actions that are hopefully geared to achieve the objective. So, why do we plan? Well, often when we are coming up with a plan, we're trying to do one or more of the following things in the game. So, we might uh, be trying to minimize damage to the characters. So, let's sneak through these caverns without getting killed. Let's come up with a plan for that. Sometimes we're looking to maximize damage to a target. So you flank the dragon and I'll drop down behind it and backstab it, right? Like that's, that, that's part of a plan. Sometimes we need to secure a special objective. We'll keep the guards distracted and you grab the gem. Uh, and sometimes we just need to meet a certain criteria. We need to sneak into the hangar without getting caught. Okay, those are like our objectives and those are pretty broad objectives. It's not hard to adapt them to the story that you're in. So now that we understand some of the objectives, how do we actually plan? So planning is a collaborative exercise. It is a conversation. We're going to toss out ideas. We're going to make suggestions. Not every idea is going to get heard. Hopefully most things get heard. Not every idea can get used. We're going to come up with a plan that is hopefully by consensus, that most of the people at the table are kind of happy with what happens. Now, the downside to that is, like, sometimes we don't get heard, and sometimes our suggestions don't get used, so sometimes our feelings get hurt. Or sometimes we, to be honest, think the plan is stupid. We don't like what everyone else has come up with, and so it's like, well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, and now I have to go along with it, and we're all going to get killed, and it's your fault. Yep. These things happen. But what really winds up happening when these occur at the table is that Time gets expended. Right, especially when you fight about it. Right. Right? This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> right. Because the longer it takes to collaborate to get to the to an agreed upon plan, the more time you've eaten up at the table. And the thing about the plans that you come up with at the table is that they're inherently flawed anyway, right? Because as characters and as players, you don't have all of the information. You simply cannot have all of the information because... You don't know how the people in the room or whatever is there is going to react to anything that you do. 
and you probably, frankly, just don't have all of the information that, like, a GM has in that situation. So you're working with incomplete or imperfect information based on what you've been able to gather. Secondly, as soon as you actually put the plan into operation, the likelihood of the players having predicted all the outcomes of everything that they do, just like when you're a GM and you're trying to predict how your players are going to decide things, which is why I don't even bother. But the likelihood that your plan actually correctly predicts everything that is going to happen and takes it all into account is pretty much zilch. So, you know, is something's going to go wrong? What The moment you implement, anything could happen from there. Yeah, so this is the thing actually in project management where the probability of you staying on schedule drops the longer the schedule goes. So the further out you plan, the less likely you're actually going to stay to plan. So what that really tells us is that the first couple things you do are really important and iteratively planning, that is to plan, go a little, then keep planning and then go a little and plan, tends to be more accurate than doing like a big upfront plan. Okay. Anyway, go ahead. So the next part is, why do we plan in RPGs knowing that, knowing that, like, just like in project management, it's only reasonably accurate for the first couple of things, because after that, there are just too many variables to take into account. The first part is, it's just human nature. When we're confronted as humans with a complex problem, the way that we deal with it, the way that we solve those things is by planning like making a path forward so that we take into account as many things as we can. That's just what we do. And then secondly, a lot of games don't have any sort of mechanical solution to planning. They don't have another solution in the game itself. They just assume you're headed into a uh, 15-foot by 30-foot room and there's five trolls in there. What are you going to do? Well, You have two choices. You can stop and you can plan and you can figure out how you're going to deal with the regenerative properties of trolls, or you can just run in screaming and all die, right? They don't give you a lot of options besides that. So in those games, it's it's hard to not plan because there isn't really another solution. We're going to talk about some that do have a solution when we get to that part. So for tonight, we're going to tackle the idea of planning from two different angles. The first is Send is going to talk about how the GM and players can do a better job of planning at the table. Mm -hmm. And the second, I'm going to talk about some of those mechanics that assist in planning or mitigate it. Right. So, Senda, what can GMs and players do to make planning less sucky at the table? Well, there's certain things that you should be working towards as a group at the table, when you sit down and start planning. And one of those major things is trying to make sure that it doesn't take too long because it gets boring. And then the next one is that you're creating a plan for what you actually need. You're not going off into the weeds of following some crazy rabbit trail off over here. You know, when what you need to do is figure out what to do with the trolls. You don't need to be worrying about secret doors until you've dealt with the trolls, right? You just don't. And... You need to make sure that the process is collaborative so that it's not just, um, you know, one player saying, okay, well, this is what we're all going to do, and you're going to do this, and you're going to do that, and you're going to go take point on the trolls, and I'm going to go off down this other corridor. You know, it needs to be a, a collaborative team effort so that, you know, it's still a fun game for everyone. Let's talk about quickly at the table 
how you can actually accomplish those things. So the first one is taking too long. And this this is definitely what Colin is talking about. And this is something that I have experienced myself. And it is probably the trademark, quote, bad, unquote, part of, well, without quotes, it's the trademark bad part about planning at the table, right? It can take forever, especially if you have two good yet conflicting ideas of how to do something. So this one is going to be influenced by the other three issues as well. But as a GM, you can just set expectations for this by just putting out a time limit. So you can say, you have 10 minutes to work out a plan, and then this heist is going off. So whatever you've got planned at that point is what we're going to run with. And they'll hash out something real fast, and then they'll, you know, refine until they run out of time. So in something like a one-shot, this is really, really crucial because you can't spend two hours planning and then only play for like an hour and a half. Like, that's, that's just awful. So it's really important to limit what they've got. In a campaign, you could let them go for longer, but honestly, it just gets kind of boring. You just sit around debating and it gets boring. One of the options that's specific to campaigns is you can also structure your planning so that it actually happens between gaming sessions. So you can do it without being face-to-face. People get to take as long as they want. You can do it in a Slack channel or on Google Hangouts or whatever. You know, you can be typing it at each other and then you don't have to spend your actual in-person face-to-face time doing that planning, which is, you know, just another way to handle it. And it's great when you can time that out. So the next objective is to plan specifically for what you actually need to do. So when the group goes to plan... They need to consider what objectives they're actually planning for, and they need to make sure they're working towards solutions that are covering those objectives and not others and not leaving anything out. So you have to be dealing with the trolls. We don't really care about secret doors right now. We'll deal with the secret doors after we've dealt with the trolls. So you, ha- you have to be able to prioritize and just actually, you know, do your objectives first. And then the next part of that, and it's related, is not going off into the weeds on those plans because you can make contingencies for your contingencies for your contingency plans for your contingency plans for your contingency plans for your contingency plans. And like, you know, like I was saying, there is simply no plan that survives contact with the enemy or, you know, with the situation that it was built to handle. So... You know, if you plan that far, there's just no way to take into account the level of variables that you've got at that point. So you can really only truly plan and detail the first couple of things you're going to do. And from there, you've got to have an idea, but you've got to be able to just kind of go with it. <laughs> so it's not worth over planning. So you have a main plan and maybe you have one contingency plan and then stop planning. Stop planning the contingencies for the contingencies. Just don't do it. And even then, a lot of that is not even going to come up in play just because inevitably it won't because things will will change the moment they implement the first part of the plan. Everything is just going to change. And then you also have to make sure that the process is collaborative. So everyone at least gets heard that nobody is one alpha player coming in and saying, well, 
I know how to play this game, and I am Smash Man, so that means that everything will be smashed, and no one else gets to solve anything their way. Oh, no, no saying Smash Man's an alpha player. Smash Man's very collaborative. It's true. Smash Man is very collaborative. I apologize. My bad. Oh, man, I don't want people like thinking, like, wow, that Vecchione's alpha player, huh? I'm not playing <laughs> no. with him. You're actually fantastically not very supportive. Do you want me to go back and say that again? So make sure that there's no alpha player, like, running everything, saying that they have to... All right, you, rogue, you have to be standing over there, and you, barbarian, you are going to take point, and you're going to do this, and I'm going to stand over here and cast fireball. Okay, quadratic wizard. That's not... That's not okay for one person to just tell everybody what they're doing. Which ties into everybody needs to be respectful. Even if you think it's the stupidest idea you've ever heard in your life, maybe don't say that. Maybe say, huh, I feel like there are some problems with that. What if this happens? You know, or whatever. You know, have a conversation. Respect your friends. These people are your friends, right? You're playing games with them. So you, you can even be more subtle. You could be like, hey, that's a very interesting idea. How many resurrection scrolls do we have? <laughs> I'm sorry, was that more subtle? <laughs> You're so subtle. Such a smooth talker. That Vecchione, he's smooth. <laughs> so um, inevitably, there may be, you know, people don't always agree on all the details of the plan. So you need to be able to compromise as a table to get to something that you can all handle. Even if it's not perfect or exactly what you want, it's the thing that, you know, mostly everybody's okay with. And nobody is going, oh my god, we're all going to die. I'm not even going with you. You guys go get yourselves killed. I don't even care. So now that we've talked about what the table can do to make planning less painful, what can the rules of the game do to make planning something more enjoyable, Phil? So there are ways that mechanics can facilitate plans. And in some cases, there are mechanics that'll render planning not important. So what is it we actually get out of planning? So one of those things that we get out of planning is competence. So we plan so that we're prepared. Now, in the real world, time is linear. And so we have to plan first so that we're prepared later. Unlike podcasting, which is not linear. <laughs> Thank you. Carry on. In RPGs, time doesn't have to be linear. We actually fall into this trap when we play games where we think that games have to be linear in time. So in a lot of traditional role-playing games, time just proceeds from a starting point and goes forward in a linear fashion. But that's actually not often a requirement. And in some games, games actually play with this in order to make competence more of a mechanical aspect. And so what is often used is something like the flashback or the flash forward. We can use these kinds of scenes. We can flash back to something or we can flash forward to something to create competence within the game. And so what I mean by that is that we could be in the middle of a mission and we can encounter a problem that we didn't plan for and then stop play, have a flashback where we actually go back and deal with that problem, then jump forward and actually play out what happened based on that flashback. And that's great. That's how we see it on TV. In fact, the show Leverage pretty much banked on this trope for five seasons, I think. And it's brilliant. It works all the time. So we have that available to us. 
Now, some games actually just have this baked right in. And so, like, one of my favorite games that does this is uh, Knights Black Agents. So in Knights Black Agents, characters have a skill called preparedness. And during the game, the character can burn points of preparedness to declare that they have some needed item on hand. Or that they stashed it somewhere. Something like that. Now, the more outlandish the item or the more outrageous where it's hidden, you pay more points and have to make the check. But if you pull it off... You did it. And so you look hyper competent. And it's a really great trick that Ken Height did without even having to do a hard flashback. You actually don't have to interrupt the game. You can just be like, oh, I want to make a preparedness check. I totally put a shotgun in the trunk of the car. Okay, make a quick check. Oh, sure did. And then grab the shotgun and go from there. It's really great. It's a really great mechanic. And it, it really cuts down on a certain level of planning because players know that once they get into the scene... If there's, you know, some crazy alarm system and they need to have a certain piece of equipment, they can make a preparedness check to have it. So they don't have to sit there and think and over plan those things. Another game that actually does this really well is Blades in the Dark. Blades in the Dark has uh, a very specific phase of the game called the score, which is always some sort of heister job. And John Harper, who I actually had a chance to interview way back when this was up for Kickstarter... John Harper actually stated like he hates planning in games and wanted to make Blades in the Dark such that you could never you would never actually have to plan your score. And so one of the mechanics and we'll talk actually about two of them, but one of the mechanics is a flashback scene. Players can initiate a flashback scene in the middle of play to account for something that's just happened, that's just come up. And the way they do it is they spend some stress which is a resource they have, they spend some stress to initiate the flashback. And the more improbable the thing that they want to do, the more stress they pay for it. So there's kind of a give and take. Now, Blades also really does a good job of how to get around overall planning. So when you're on one of these scores, the inclination would be like, okay, we're going to go knock over this drug den and take it over. Okay. Let's get a map of the place. Let's figure out how many guards are there. All right. Are we going in, you know, this door? Are we going in that door? What are we going to do here? What are we going to do there? Right? Like that's how traditional games would go. And that's like two hours of, of planning. So Blades gets rid of that and, and forcibly removes it from the game by a set of mechanics. And so what they do is when you have a score, you come up with the objective. So we're going to knock over this drug den. And then they have a list of different approaches of your plan. So you might do this by stealth, you might do it by force, you might do it mystically, you might do it politically, that kind of thing. And you pick your approach, the players pick the approach, and then each approach has a leading question that the game master then asks the players. So if we're going to take it by force, then the question is, what is your entry point? And the players come up and make that decision, like, oh, we're going to kick in the back door, or we're going to go right through the front door, guns blazing, that kind of thing. And then they make what's called an engagement roll. So they make this roll, and based on the outcome of the roll, it sets the difficulty for the first skill check that they'll have to make during the score. And that's it. That's all the planning there is. Because when you couple that approach and the engagement roll along with the flashback, you can actually just start playing. And every time you you know use the engagement roll to figure out how well 
your plan started. And then you can use the flashback mechanics to handle any bumps or wrinkles that, uh, that appear. And then you just play through no planning necessary. Got a chance to play this a couple weeks ago and it did just that. It was, it was really great. Like no planning at the table. It took a few minutes for the players to come up with their approach. But once they did, I asked a simple question. They gave me an answer and uh, we were off and running and it was super easy and really, uh, really fun. So if you're not playing blades or Knights black agents, can you use flashbacks in your game? You absolutely can. It's a great way to allow players to retcon problems. It addresses the thing that you talked about earlier, which is the further you get away from the beginning of the plan, the less probable it's going to go to plan. So having a flashback mechanism to come up with contingencies that you thought of, but you're actually playing them in real time is brilliant. So I think they can be worked into any game. I think you could do this in D&D without any problem. I think if you want to gamify it, I think then what you want to do is have some, you want to tie this to some sort of resource that the players need to uh, spend. So maybe I tie it to some hit points or maybe I tie it to a rest. You got to spend a minor rest to trigger a flashback. Inspiration now. In, in, ow. Yeah, absolutely. In D&D. Yeah. Inspiration. Mm-hmm. Like just use your inspiration. We can have a flashback scene in fate. Uh, take a point of stress. You know, take a point of mental stress. We're going to have a flashback scene and talk about like, you know, and you're going to come up with this thing. So, yeah, you absolutely can work it in. I think if you can tie it to a resource, it's even better because mechanically by tying it to a resource, you're making it a limited commodity and you're making players trade for it. So I can initiate a flashback, but I'm going to take some amount of mental stress for the rest of the scene. And that makes them not just have a flashback every time like a die roll goes wrong. It actually makes them choose wisely when to have a flashback. So I think it's awesome. And I think if you are playing games that have a lot of planning and the mechanics of the game don't have this stuff in it, that's a really easy way to work it in. And so rather than flashing back, it's time for us to flash forward into the closing of the show. Oh, well done. Thank you. Thank Mm -hmm. you. I I was on a, I was on a roll with segues. You were on on a roll. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You were on a segue roll. Yeah. Get it. See? Oh, segue roll. Where can people reach us on the internet if they wanted to uh, talk to us? Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pandas talk games. You can find us in the Misdirected Mark Google Plus community. And you can drop us an email if you prefer, panda at misdirectedmark.com. And Phil, once someone has found us in those places or remembered our email address, what can they send us? Yeah, absolutely. Once you find us, please send us topics for the show. We don't come up with any of them ourselves. And nope. we pretty much just rely on the on the kindness of all of you to supply them for us, which is great because then it forces us to improvise and come up with, you know, what to talk about. Answers. Yeah. So absolutely. <laughs> please, please, please send us more uh, topics. We love them. We never, We never can actually have enough of them. No, it's true. And real quickly... We do like to do our one shot, our one shot versus campaign discussions. We also like to do our two points of view discussions, like tonight, and we will occasionally stalk a uh, game designer of your asking. But we haven't done that in a little while, which means we probably should. Yep, we really need to PK. Say, Senda, what 
else can people do once they find us on the internet? Well, you can also send us your table selfies. So the next time that you sit down to play an awesome game with awesome people, take a selfie of you playing that awesome game with those awesome people and post it on the social media of your choice and hashtag it table selfie. And we will come by and like it because we love to see what you guys are playing. And we think the table selfies are pretty cool. All the cool kids are taking table selfies. All the cool kids are taking table selfies. All the cool kids. So now you know peer pressure. Care Bear Stare. Oh, nice. Anyway. If you like what we do here at, at Pandas Talking Games or elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, you can support our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash MMP. Backers of the Patreon get all sorts of things, such as the bonus outtakes from this show, the after show from Misdirected Mark, pre-production show notes, access to the Slack Room for Life, little D&D tidbits that the guys over um, on the D&D side put together, as well as the occasional song parody that Senda puts together. And now, time for a few patron shoutouts. Steve Farrell, who um, I haven't seen in a while, so my tennis elbow is gone. (laughs) Thank you, Steve. (laughs) Thanks, Steve. Uh, Donnie Harville. Thank you very much for supporting the uh, show. And Nick Clark, not right. Clark not Nick. Clark Nick. That's right. Yep. Nick Clark. We got it. Thank you as well for supporting the show. Say, Senda, there's a thing people can do that's like a hug for podcasters. What is it? Well, you can support us in a non-monetary fashion by leaving us a rating or review on iTunes. Every rating or review does actually help us climb the ranks a little bit on the iTunes store and then other people might actually find us when they search for games instead of when they search for pandas. <laughs> as nice it is as it is that they find us when they search for pandas. So basically it's like telling a friend except that you don't necessarily know the friend and the more li- people listen to our show and then we get super happy. It's like telling strangers. Yeah, <laughs> on the internet. So just walk down the street. If you don't want to go on iTunes, just walk down the street and just tell random strangers about us. Right, just tell random strangers that they should listen to our podcast because there's mention of pandas and we talk about games. Say, Senda, show me how you're going to focus your players into coming up with the big plan. Well, I'm going to play one last job. No big plan, huh? Actually, they have to plan scene by scene, and if they did it all for the whole thing, and then I think they would take This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Is it time for another episode of <gasps> Smash Man and Skill Monkey? Where we last left off, we were inside the mouth of the Tarrasque on the tongue of the Tarrasque. It got very dark as the teeth shut around us. And we've decided that the way we would forward the game is to draw another How It's About to Get Worse card, right? Yes, yes. I'm so excited. Are you ready? (laughs) Yes. Our card is Dead Body Just Twitched. (laughs) (laughs) Are you ready? Are you ready? Uh Uh-huh. You got this? Skill Monkey. Yes, Smash Man. I don't think we're alone in this mouth. I don't know how you can tell, Smash Man. It's very dark. Listen. I'm trying to be quiet. 
Oh, yes, you're not doing well at whispering, as usual, but- I am whispering! Okay, shh, let me listen, I'm very good at listening. Do you hear that? Yeah, it sounded kind of like bones scraping together. Don't you have a torch? I just have a sword. I carry this lantern and three gallons of oil with me at all times. <laughs> I have a loincloth and a sword. I'm a barbarian. My people shun equipment and preparedness. I take off my Happy Mask Man style backpack, light my lantern that I pulled out from between the cheese wedges, and shine it. It's one of the ones that you can hood. Yes, of course. So I pull back the hood a little bit so that it's directional. And I shine it around the teeth. And uh, there's some bodies caught in the teeth. In the teeth, obviously. They're sort of rotting away like they've been there for a while. Like, Clever Boy needs to floss. Yeah, I don't think Clever Boy has, has good hygiene. <laughs> He's not good at this dental stuff. Mm -mm. I was once apprenticed to a dentist as well. I feel like I might be able to help him out. Maybe I don't care so much, though. So, uh, there's some bodies over there. Um, Smash Man. Yes? That body looks very dead. Because it has, in fact, been impaled by a tooth, and I see that it's been caught through the rib cage for quite a while there. It doesn't smell lovely. And yet, why is it moving? That's really what I would like to know, too. I think we're about to enter combat. All right, Smash Man, that's all you. Here we go. Let's get ready to smash! Can I ask you at this point? Yeah. Do you have, like, specific stock animation that plays for that part because that's your tagline? Oh, yeah, totally. Right? Like, <laughs> it, it, there's, like there's, like, a little montage, right? Yes. Like, the camera pans around and he, like, takes out his sword and his muscles. Like, he's muscular to begin with, but they seem bigger, right? Like, they right. just, like, his muscles <laughs> get bigger at that moment. There are a few like, poses with the sword, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, and then... <laughs> When that's done, it cuts to him running across the tongue and, like, leaping in the air. But it's, like, three different panels of him leaping in the air. Oh, yes. <laughs> and he leaps, like, for an impossibly long time for being inside a Tarask's mouth. Right. But it doesn't matter. Right? And then finally no, he, like, comes down with, like, like, one blow and, like, he cuts the thing in half. I mean, I think what we actually see is, like... You're coming down with the sword aimed, and then it's like the black screen with like the swing shine across it. Right. And then when it switches to the next frame, it's just like the twitching sort of zombie half half skeleton, half corpse thing is just split in twain down the middle. Yes. And then it like looks up and it's like, what are you doing? Why are you in this mouth? Ah! Um... Why are you still talking? I don't know. I've been cursed. I can't die. This seems like a really unpleasant place to spend your permanent undeath. I wished to be immortal. So I am. And then I got eaten by a Tarasque. That was stupid. Stupid ring of wishes. <laughs> and then you tried to kill me to put me out of my misery. But I'm not. Wow. What are you guys doing here? Well, uh, this is Smash Man, and I'm Skill Monkey, and this Tarask 
seems to have swallowed our treasure that was supposed to be the reward we got for saving this village that we were in a couple of days ago. Only while we were out killing the dragon, the Tarrasque smashed the village. And so we decided to get our treasure back. That's awesome. Can I come with you guys? Can you still walk? I don't have a torso. So we should just take your head? Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> okay, Smash Man. You carry the talking head. Yes, I'll carry him like you're carrying that lantern. Good. Or you could put him on your shoulder like a parrot. Yes, what's your name, head? Orson Scott Card? Yes, it's Orson Scott Card. <laughs> Thank you. I'm a barbarian, so clearly I'm illiterate. That joke is beyond me. <laughs> I Excellent. can read because I am Skill Monkey. <laughs> Great. We'll discuss science fiction literature as we descend into the mouth of the Tarrasque. That's all for this episode of Crash Man and Skill Monkey. Tune in next time to see what happens when they take Horse and Scott Card into the belly of the beast. Yawn to the world, the podcast reigns. I don't know why I'm singing more it must Christmas be the carols. It must, it must be, be the, the show. show. <laughs> and heaven and pandas sing, and heaven and pandas sing, and heaven and heaven and pandas sing. Bloop. <laughs> <laughs> Bloop. Bum, bum. <laughs> we still sing this song. A little bit of Kermit head, but not a lot, so it doesn't get whiplash this time. Yeah, it's, my head's it's, cold. It's become much calmer these days. Not quite as hyper because it's really late at night. It is, sorry. Carry on. Bloop. Today's topic comes from Kalum. Uh, Kalum. Kalum, my good friends. Kal oh my God, it's the B show. Bloop. Today's copic. Copic. Oh shit. Copic. The copic. <laughs> the copic is. Bloop. Kugay's copic. Come, come. Bloop. Today's topic. No. <laughs> Bloop. Today's topic comes from Callum. Ka shit. See, not there. Bloop. Yeah, Smash Monkey, you're bad at whispering. Right. Smash Monkey, I just called you. Oh my god. Okay. Smash Monkey. Shutting up now. Carry on. Oh my god. I multiclassed. <laughs> I've multiclassed. No, you can't be Smash Monkey. I'm Rogue Thief. <laughs> I'm Smash no, Monkey. No. 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 Nope. Bloop. Skill man and smash monkey. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Troy and Darcy can have that. Troy uh, and Darcy yes. can have that. Yeah, audio. we can give that one to Troy and Darcy. That's okay. Yeah, okay. That's okay, good. good. Okay. Sorry, carry on. Bloop. <laughs> oh my goodness. I don't remember where I was. Um, you're probably You were talking about how smooth I was. <laughs> I did shave for the show. Bloop. How many resurrection schools do we have? <laughs> That's is that like the new version of hold my beer? <laughs> right. Got a resurrection scroll? Hang, Hang on, on a second. second. Yeah. <laughs> I got this. Uh -huh. I do. I like that. That's the D and D equivalent of hold my yes, beer. Yes. Yes. 
Hold my resurrection <laughs> scroll. Hold my resurrection <laughs> scroll. Bloop. So now that we've talked about what planning at the table can do to me, what? <laughs> that was all me. What planning? That at the was table all you. That, that, that were not my- actually the words that were written. <laughs> Bloop. So now that we've talked about what the table can do to make planning less painful, what are some of the rules of the game? What what can the <laughs> shit? <laughs> Bloop. You know what? This piece of this segue is actually well written. <laughs> it's very. It's well being written. executed. It's being it's executed. Very poorly. Well written. This is all on me. You wrote a very nice segue. Every time I read it, it makes perfect sense. It's just when I try to say it that it falls apart. <laughs> Bloop. I'm a little bit nervous now. I feel like I'm just going to mess it up more. Okay. So now that we... Why are you moving? Don't move. Bloop. So now that we've talked about what the table can do to make planning less painful, what can the rules of the game do to make planning something more enjoyable, Phil? Yes, that's actually a really good segue. Yes, keep patting yourself on the back. It was a lovely segue. Thank you. Thank you. And now, eventually, sometime, you're going to start talking about it. So there are plenty of ways. <laughs> Damn you, Cinda. <laughs> it's late and you've decided to break into the giggles. I can't. That's why it's happening. I'm sorry. Where's the other lemon cookie to keep you quiet while I, while I, while no, I. There was only one lemon cookie. There was only one, one half of a lemon cookie. Look, they don't even have them yet. It was like a special like preview. A sneak peek preview. Bloop. Flim. <laughs> Damn it. Just don't throwing start. It out there. Just don't start. It out there. <laughs> uh, yeah. Gurgle. No, that's a good one too. Gurgle is a good word. <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Eileen. <laughs> smear. Smear? Um, I like schmear better than smear. Chunky. <laughs> Viscous. What are, you, are you just looking at a list of words that people hate? Did you literally just look that up? Queasy. I feel like you've been Googling that while I've been talking. Uh-huh. Is that what was happening? Oh, here's, here's one. Oh, this is a good Cheater. one. We're going to yes. end with this one. Yep. Pustule. Okay, that's a really good one. You're right. That's a good one. All right. That's We're going to stop right one. there. Stop right on pustule. <laughs> um, this episode, this you... episode has been brought to you by the uncomfortable word pustule. Pustule. Yes. I'm going to ask you kindly not to group all of those together into a sentence. I appreciate that. And let's move right along. Bloop. Damn. Sorry, Eileen. <laughs> Don't die. <laughs> Two hands on the wheel. Start applying the brake Two right hands now. On the wheel. <laughs> Eyes forward. You know you're you're warning her too late. We've already done it. Well, well, well. Cut it and put it in front. Oh, are you saying that podcasts are non-linear, non-linear like podcasts? How you planned? <laughs> Fix this. Fix this. Save her. Cinder, you're the only person who can save her. Travel through podcasting time and reorganize the sentence to save her. Bloop. For a mere $1 a day, you can feed hungry podcasters. You'll adopt a podcaster. 
they'll write you they'll write you emails or send you tweets every week. You can find out about their progress, the shows they're recording, how they're doing in school. Maybe you want to adopt Wayne. He's wonderful. Or Chris. You could adopt Chris. Or Sean Merwin. Sean Merwin needs some help. You could adopt him. Vecchione, it is after 2 a.m. for you. What are you doing? I'm doing an infomercial. It's after 2 a.m. I'm doing an infomercial about adopting podcasters. You could adopt me. Your money will go towards me buying bags. If you adopt Senda, her money will go towards skirts with pockets. Uh Uh-huh. Cute ones. And some oxygen, because you look like you're running low right now. Oh, my God. Bloop. Oh, my God, Senda, get us out of here. We're so lost right now. We're like in the Tarasks. We're like in the Tarasks mouth. Orson Scott Cardhead. Orson Scott Cardhead, get us out of here. And then I basically take what they've planned for the scene and turn it into. You are the killing the thing. ending of this show. You are killing the ending of the show. Just cut that out and put music over where I stopped talking the first time. I had to talk about one last job. This show no, is you about didn't. planning heists. I had to. You, you didn't had even to. say cha ching. Cha ching, cha ching, cha ching, cha ching, ching, ching. Bloop. You could oh. adopt old man Logan. <laughs> For just a dollar a day. I mean, a dollar starving a day podcasters. is a lot. Yeah, but, well, we're not, well, whatever. We're, I mean, we need money. <laughs> starving podcasters. <sighs> you could buy a mollusk for Darcy. Oh, see, that would be sweet. Your money could buy a golden mollusk. Yeah, for Darcy. Because or- we all want to give Darcy beautiful mollusks. Mm-hmm. That's nice, right? That's nice of mm-hmm. us. Yeah, that's nice. That's good. Yeah, you give that Hobbs guy some some OSR stuff. He dig that, right? Some graph paper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can buy some graph paper for Hobbs. <laughs> Them OSR guys love graph paper. <laughs> Bloop. Your money can support Chris. For what costs you a cup of coffee, Chris can keep editing podcasts. Bloop! What's going on with this ending? I don't know. It's dying. It's dying. It's terrible. You know what? Death. Take a deep breath. I'm going to wrap this up. This uh-huh. has been a gurgling pustule production. Oh, no. Mic no, no, drop. No, 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 we no, no, out. No, 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 no. no.